Welcome to Lighting Your Way, a podcast featuring exciting, hilarious, heartbreaking, terrifying, and joyful stories of real nurse advocates helping real patients get the best health care. Hi, I'm Nurse Betty Long. Each week, I and one of my nurse colleagues at Guardian Nurses will take you behind the curtain to help you better navigate the healthcare system when you or a loved one is sick or injured. Peg Pierce, nurse advocate extraordinaire. Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. Thanks for joining me. You are our first guest. How does it feel to be a trailblazer? It feels awesome to be a trailblazer and a part of Guardian Nurses. I love it. Great. Well, thank you again. Um, what I want our listeners to know is that at Guardian Nurses, we encourage nurses to tell their stories, right? To toot their horn, as we like to say. Nurses are doing amazing work, both at Guardian Nurses and all over the world. And while the COVID pandemic may have brought highlights of that work to cable news, social media posts, and newspaper front pages, they've been doing it day after day since the days of Florence Nightingale in the late 1800s. I, for one, am thrilled that nurses are finally being given a spotlight. And that's a little part of why we're here, right? not just for you to toot your horn, but also to empower our listeners to become more educated consumers, better advocates for themselves when they're needing health care. Betty, I couldn't agree with you any more than I do. Ah, well, good to know. Good to know. All right, thanks. So before we get started, Peg, how long have you been a nurse? Uh, let me do the math here. I guess close to 85 years. Now I'm only kidding. Um, this May, I will be a nurse for 34 years and I have loved every moment and every minute of it. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Uh, and how long have you been at Guardian Nurses? I have been with Guardian Nurses since 2015 and I love it. Hands down, it's the best job I've ever had. When I tell people about what I do, they get a little jealous, um, especially other nurses, because I tell them uh, it's like winning the lottery. It, is, it really is the best job. Well, thank you. Uh, and we are fortunate to have you on our team, Peg. Um, okay, so are you ready to tell your story? Absolutely. I wanted to share a story with you about a gentleman that I, that I met um, by just making a simple phone call. You know, we meet our patients in different ways, and I get a report every day on who gets approved for what um, with the union that I take care of. And I just like to reach out, make sure they're in good hands, just basically see if there's anything I can do to make their experience better. And I got a hold of this gentleman. He was very nice, um, and we had a long conversation. And he went on to tell me that he was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And he was set up to have his surgery in about a week and a half from when we were talking and um, that he had a history of this same cancer on the other kidney five years prior to this. And he um, was good to go. He had a surgery all set up. He was getting his CAT scan done beforehand. And thanks for calling, but I'm good. And then I said, okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, who's doing the surgery? Where are you having it done? You know, are you fully prepared for things? And he says, well, you know, I'll tell you, you know, and he told me those details. And then he went on to tell me um, that he had a history of the same cancer five years ago in the other kidney. His primary care physician sent him to the surgeon saying, go to this guy. He's the best. He'll take great care of you. Um, he went um, and he told me that he was, he felt a little like he was taking up the doctor's time. Like he felt like he was kind of like a nuisance to him, you know, and you know, the doctor told him, here's what we're going to do. Here's the fix. 
you know, removing part of the kidney is the cure. There's no need for chemo or radiation, uh, which is the case for this, this sort of cancer. Um, but he just, you know, left there with just the minimal amount of information. He knew that this surgery would most likely be laparoscopic, but there was a tiny chance he would have to open him up if there was any kind of complication. Maybe one, two nights tops in the hospital, and then you're home, and then you're on your way to healing and getting back to work sooner than later. A slam dunker, pretty much is how he said it. And um, all ready to go, he left with his surgery date in hand, um, and then he said, and then Peg, in his words, he goes, I woke up, and I had tubes coming into me and tubes going out of me. I didn't know what hit me. And he came to find that there were complications in the surgery and they had to do a big incision and open them up and get that part of the kidney out. And um, just, you know, it, it wasn't, he knew there was a chance, but he didn't know what to expect if they would have to open them up. So he was completely, you know, back by all of this. So the surgeon did come in and see him in the hospital and pretty much the way the patient described the interaction to me was, you know, pretty much, hey, sorry, this happens. Um, didn't soften the blow, but, you know, this is what happened and this is what I had to do. And, you know, I'll see you in a week and a half in the, in the, in the office for follow-up appointment. So he ended up having just a couple of more complications than expected. He ended up staying in the hospital for a little over a week. Um, got yeah. home. His recovery was not as easy, not a slam dunk <laughs> at all. And, um, you know, just kind of, you know, limped along and got through his, his uh, recovery. Um, and then, you know, at his follow-up appointment, again, no softening of the blow, <clears throat> just that this is how it goes. And this is what happened. Um, and then the patient was just on his way, you know, just recovering more. And over the next couple of months, he noticed that where this incision site was, that um, it had grown, that it was just this big, huge, he didn't know it was a hernia at the time, but he described it as this big, huge outpouching. And that had it just gotten worse and worse and worse. At and the, then at the incision site? At the incision site, right. And he went back to the surgeon and said, hey, look at this, you know, uh, what's this? And he says, oh, it looks like you have a faux hernia, um, which is when, you know, the way he described it was things just didn't, when they were healing, they didn't heal properly. And then all this tissue kind of came out and that's why you have this faux hernia. And he said, okay, well, doctor, can you fix it? He says, oh, no, listen, that fix is going to be more bother than it's worth. You know, you're going to have to spend more days in the hospital with drains and, you know, it's, it's just better to just learn to live with it. Wow. So, right. So cut to five years later, I'm meeting this gentleman on the phone and he tells me about all of this. And I said, hey, listen, you know, um, you know how your experience went five years ago, right? He says, yeah. I said, well, it, what if I tell you there's a really good chance that um, I could get you into really great, you know, skilled hands and um, have a better outcome and a better experience, you know, is that something that you would be interested in, you know, when you're having a big surgery like this? And at first he kind of thought, no, I, I think I'll just stick with this guy. He's right down the road, you know, and then the more we talked about it, you know, and I kind of, you know, called back to some of the things that he shared with me about his experience in the office and with the doctor at bedside. And I said, you know, how did it make you feel? Tell me how that made you feel, you know, when you're in the bed and you find okay. out that this happens, right? Good and question. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, let's talk about that. And, and the more he, you know, I asked him to share his feelings, the more he shared, right? Because nobody else gave me the opportunity to do it. And then he went on to say, well, you know, I felt like I was kind of just in the way. And, oh, you know, I didn't, yeah, and I didn't have the right to say anything and that this was just unfortunate and it happened and I had to deal with it and to pretty much suck it up. And I said, any, you know, and then I said, well, listen, I know your um, surgery is set for like a week and a half from now, but give me a chance to work some magic and get you in, <laughs> right, with another set of eyes and skilled hands and just see how you feel about it, right? Just, just see how you feel about it. I said, because, you know, one thing I like to tell people is that you're going to, you're going to pay the same copay that you will for an okay doctor, <laughs> that you will pay for a really skilled and awesome doctor with a great bedside, right? Great way to sell them on it. Yeah. And, you know, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll give you the shot. So I ended up getting him in with a really great doctor um, in two days. And I was on the appointment with him and he was so impressed by the care, the, the time that the doctor took to tell him, and, you know, he gave him statistics and numbers and said, yeah, you know, there's a chance I might have to open you up and can't do this laparoscopically, but that's like a less than 0.1%. Mm -hmm. And I've done thousands of these surgeries and, you know, I, we can absolutely get this done laparoscopically. And, and Peg, Peg were you there at the appointment? Um, well, because of COVID, unfortunately, ideally I'd like to be there in person, but I was there telephonically. Okay, great. Yeah. But, um, and it was a, it's still a meaningful appointment. I thought it went really, really well. And I asked all the questions that I would normally ask in person and, um, and it went really well. So after the appointment, uh, oh, let me back up a little bit. The doctor said, you know, you know, this is the numbers. This is the 0.1% chance I might have to do an incision. Um, but I really think that this is going to go well. You know, I've done thousands of these and the patient said, okay, you know, and as they're ready to wrap things up and he said, oh, by the way, uh, I know just the colleague to send you to, to get that faux hernia fixed because that can't be pleasant walking around with that getting caught on things and being uncomfortable and just putting your pants on in the morning yeah so, this, this patient was a uh, was a uh, building trades guy right exactly you know right. lots of you know everything moving oh, in small spaces bending crawling mm -hmm. and all of that business um so that was a game change that would be a game changer for him to get that fixed so um, after the appointment, after every appointment I have with somebody, you know, we talked about how we felt about it because that's a big deal. You know, that's important for us forging a relationship with people is not right. just doing the details, getting the appointment, you know, it's how did you feel about that? What's going on in your head? And he said, oh my gosh, I'm just floored by the experience, like just how he sat and talked and showed me the imaging and what the plan is. And he um, said, you know, Peg, would you mind canceling my appointment with the other surgeon? <laughs> I said, I will gladly cancel that for you. No problem. Um, and he had his surgery and it went great. He spent one night in the hospital. Wow. Um, and I just talked to him recently. He's doing great. He still has to follow up with the other surgeon uh, for the hernia. He just wanted his dust to settle a little bit, but he's doing great and he's very happy. Wow. That, that is a wonderful story. That's great. So he's doing okay now? And, when's yeah, he, he's, and he's going to follow up about the hernia. Yes. Yes, he is. And I'm going to help him with that. When he said the time's right, I'm going to make the call just like we did with the other surgeon, just get him all set up, go with him, yeah. make sure he's good along the way. Yeah. You're, he's going to be your first call. 
or yeah. you're going to be his first call. I'm going to be his say. first call. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so p- patients are, I think patients often are under the impression that second opinions, which is what you did for your patient, must be approved by their insurance company. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I brought up a second opinion to people that I'm working with and they say, I don't know, is insurance going to pay for that? And I said, yes, the insurance is definitely going to pay for that. I, I sometimes have people get a third opinion. That's not uncommon, you know, until you're really sure with your game plan and your provider, um, you should get just about as many opinions that, that you feel like you need to get so that you're making the right decision for yourself or your family member. Yeah, I think that's great advice, right? Because, and even to your point, third opinions, if one says one thing, the other says another, Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, okay, I can split the difference and get the third uh, physician to chime in. So absolutely, particularly when I think you're talking about treatment options, when Mm -hmm. they're so disparate, if one says this and one says that, you're thinking, wait a minute, how can they be so different? Right. Um, uh, I'm curious about the question that you asked your patient about his first surgeon after the mm-hmm. appointment. You said you sat down and said, how did he make you feel? Why, why, was, why was that important to ask him? What, what were you hoping to elicit from him? Well, you know, in our conversation, I could kind of figure out how he, that must have felt you know, kind of feeling brushed off and, and just, you know, given the minimal amount of information and, you know, you're just this cog plugged into this machine and then you're spat out somewhere in the process with a good or an okay, you know, result. Um, And I just wanted him to, to tell me how that made him feel so that um, he knew that he is worthy of a second opinion you know, that he's, he's worthy of um, getting the proper care and having the right, the, the best experience possible. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things I think that matters most to, to folks that we work with is that we can improve their experience because we know how to kind of navigate the system for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we know who to call uh, in your case, in this case, you were able to get this gentleman an appointment in two days. Right, right, which he may not have been able to do. So um, that that's part of, I guess, the services that you provide to the patients. But the, another question I wanted to ask, over the years, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of patients say, you know, look, I don't care if my surgeon has a good personality. He doesn't need to be my best friend, right? I just want mm-hmm. him to be the best at what I need him for, which is surgery. What, what, do, you, what do you say to patients like that? Well, you know, it really goes back to, how do you feel about this? There are some people that, and I've come across many, you know, where they just, they know that the person doesn't have a great bedside or they are in and out, um, but they know their work, you know, either it was, you know, a prior experience with themselves or a family member and they're okay with that. Some people are just fine. You know, I don't really need somebody to be touchy feely and, and give me a hug afterwards. I just need them to fix my you know, fill in the blank. Um, But there are a lot of folks who, who really have a desire to have the whole kit and caboodle. They want the total package. They want to get, you know, of course, the best care, you know, they want the best outcome. Right. right. But they also want to, you know, feel that they're part of the process, you know, that there are human beings sitting there in the chair and this, you know, they're, they're seen that way by the doctor, you know, and they're very much a part of the whole process. So, you know, when I get that feeling, you know, that maybe they don't feel that way, uh, then that's exactly the time that I bring up, you know, the idea of a second opinion. Yeah. And, and second opinions. So you have 
knowledge of, right, so when, you, when you're in with the accompaniment, when you can, uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID, when you go into an accompaniment, when you're with that patient and you, you know, what questions are you making sure are answered? So maybe the patient's all set up, they have their questions written down, but then you're there as a second set of ears. Mm-hmm. What questions for patients would be important? What, what, what do we want to encourage our patients and listeners to, to listen, to uh, ask? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think really important questions to ask are exactly, you know, clarify what do we have going on? You know, if we don't know our diagnosis and we're just finding that out, what exactly are we dealing with? Um, And then what is the treatment plan? What is, um, you know, any complication that could happen from the the treatment plan? Um, You know, all the specifics that go along with something like that. What are my expectations? You know, when should I start feeling better? When, you know, whatever the, whatever the issue is, you know, whatever that appropriate expectation question would be to ask, you know, what should I be expecting? You know, this patient, when he woke up and he had tubes coming in and going out of everywhere, he didn't expect that. You know, um, okay. if I was on that appointment, you know, I might have, I would have asked, you know, hey, if you do have to do a big incision, you know, what does that look like? What does that recovery look like? Right. You know, and, and he would say, well, you'd have some drains, we'd have to do IV antibiotics, you know, that sort of thing. So when the person would wake up, they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what, Peg asked this question. I do remember this. That's good. Yeah. And because I think expectations, we, we don't communicate, right? That's one mm-hmm. of the biggest problems in healthcare mm-hmm. is that there's very little communication. And really the profile uh, for surgeons is that they just want to do surgery. They don't necessarily want to communicate with folks. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in that instance, five, six years ago, right. And, and this, mm-hmm. this surgeon is still practicing. So who knows, right. We've had stories like that throughout our, uh, our lives at guardian nurses where surgeons are doing what this gentleman did. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So, so uh, what, when, when you think about it, right, I know there's probably, a bunch of answers for this, but if you had to give one piece of advice to our listeners, mm. might be heading to an appointment with a surgeon, what would that be? Um, I, one piece of advice, I would boil it down to, um, you are in more of control of the game plan than you think. Uh, my tagline that I use with people is, hey, listen, you're driving this train. You can drive it to wherever you want it to go. I'm there to help you get it to the proper destination. Right. Um, but you, you, you do have the right to ask all the questions that you, that you want to ask um, before going into any kind of surgery. And you absolutely have the, have the right to get a second opinion. Right. Particularly if, if you're asking those questions in that first mm-hmm. appointment and you're feeling dismissed. Right. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's not a good feeling. No. Particularly if you're putting yourself in the hands of someone who's doing surgery. Yeah. I mean, imagine how vulnerable you would feel, you know, that you're putting your life in the hands of this person and you just kind of have this feeling like, Oh boy, that took about five minutes. You know, I came, you know, I was ready for this appointment for weeks and just the anxiety of getting here and sitting in this chair and waiting for this doctor to sit down and have a conversation with me. And he's gone in less than five minutes and, you know, I'm having this surgery, but not, you know, still feeling like your, your feet really aren't on the ground, you know, ready for the whole thing. Right. And I think, you know, I, I often say to patients, if you're, if your instinct or if your gut is telling you something, you have to listen to it. Right. Oh, in this case, he, yeah. you know. Um, okay, so let me let me throw this question at you. Uh-huh. I'm asking everyone. So when this pandemic is over, and it will be soon, hopefully, mm. 
I will fill in the blank. Oh, I will. I've already been planning this. Um, I will be having all of my family and friends over for a huge party and it's going to have everything. I'm going to have a Christmas tree, Easter eggs, St. Patrick's Day music playing. Um, it's going to be 4th of July, everything all rolled into one and just, you know, having fun and being with each other. I'm, oh, I that cannot sounds wait. Like, that yeah. sounds like a blast. That's yeah. great. A great way to celebrate a, a, sure. a long, long, long year. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Peg, thanks for, for uh, joining us today. Really enjoyed talking with you uh, and keep up the good work. Oh, thanks for having me, Betty. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.